1: Welcome back to Not Another Mummy Podcast. I'm
2: Alison Perry and you're listening to episode 33. Today's guest is Candice Braithwaite, a blogger, presenter and co-founder of the Make Motherhood Diverse campaign. As well as all of that, Candice is a mum of two, with the youngest not even three months old. She's got her hands full, this lady, I tell you. I was keen to chat to Candice about the online world and motherhood, and why the version of motherhood that we so often see online and in other media is so white and middle class. Candice wrote a blog post last year called Where Are All the Black Mothers on Instagram, which led to her setting up the Make Motherhood Diverse website, where mothers of different colour, shape and background share their stories. One of the things that prompted me to have this conversation with Candice was when a listener pointed out to me that apart from one guest, everyone that I've had on this podcast has been white. It really opened my eyes and I'm keen not to be part of the problem. So I found my chat with Candice very interesting and I hope you do too. Welcome Candice to the podcast. (laughs) Hello. keep looking at the mic. (laughs) Yeah, the mic has got a slightly phallic look to it, hasn't it? Is that what is that what you
3: meant? I think so. I like this mic protruding. It's so funny. I love it. Yeah, sorry.
2: It's not very discreet. I feel like I might need to level up on my tech and um, get something a bit smaller and discreet. It's quite big and cumbersome, so, and it's right in between us. I know,
3: I know. I feel like one of the scummy mummies right now. So.
2: Well, that's good. That's only a good thing, surely. <laughs> That's like podcast goals. Um, But thank you for being on the podcast. It is fab. I've wanted to chat to you for a while now. Um, So you're a mum of two. You've got Esme and RJ, haven't you? Who's 11 weeks old. 11
3: weeks. I know. I know. So you're
2: like properly in the thick of it, aren't you?
3: Yeah. But, and I hate saying this because everyone's then like, shut up. But he's sleeping through the night. Oh,
2: wow. And he's been
3: doing so since eight weeks. So... I know I'm having it so much easier than most who had babies around the same time as me. Yeah, because I'm like, no matter how hard a day is, 8 p.m. comes and I know I won't see or hear from him till eight the next morning. That's amazing. So I'm just like,
2: Do you know what? I almost feel like if you have that bit cracked.
3: Hmm. then everything
2: else just kind of feels a bit easier. This is
3: it. This is Because someone said the other day, oh, what's your advice for like keeping your relationship alive? And I'm like, sweetheart, unless the kid's sleeping through the night, that's like on the back burner. It doesn't matter what you do, unless both parents are well-rested. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's like... So I... When
2: you're tired, I don't know what you guys are like, but me and my husband, <sighs> we just nitpick at each other. Yes. And all of those things that you would normally just think in your head... You see outlies. This is it.
3: This is it. And every tiny thing is a problem where you can usually let it go when you're tired, you're like, No, I can't not today. Yeah. So yeah.
2: Tiredness is not good for a relationship. This is at
3: all. But now he's sleeping through the night. I'm like, okay, step by step, I'm not saying it's easy. It's mm. not easy at all. Especially like freelance life and the four year old who's going to school soon and managing her emotions. But I'm
2: getting there. So describe then what your job is. So, You say freelance life Mm. in a nutshell. Mm. How do you describe what you
3: do? I'm starting to get comfortable with the term influencer. I know everyone feels a bit eh, saying it, but it is what it is. And it's going to be around for a long time. So I would say social media influencer, but on the side, there is a lot of presenting jobs coming in. And that's my thing. I prefer to be on camera. When the camera's on, I think I'm even more myself than just face-to-face. Like, I'm so much better talking to a camera.
2: I've seen seen you doing some stuff with Nurture channel. And you do, um, on Instagram stories, you do... Is it Tea Time? Tea Time, time.
3: yeah. Um,
2: (laughs) Which is you talking to camera, which is just brilliant. And I just love that you've taken you know, a platform like stories and Mm. just created something a bit different with it rather than just what everyone else is doing.
3: I just saw this massive gap. I was like, we're always on our phones. Like, even our skybox is linked to my phone. Mm. I very rarely actually sit and watch the actual TV. So I thought, hold on, what would it take to have a two to four minute show on stories because when i'm bored i pop my phone up on the kitchen table while i'm eating and i just let people's stories roll yeah as i'm eating i'm just like it's like tv and i thought how could we do that there and it's such a quick and easy format there's no pressure and i get oh i'd love one day to have like my own show on channel four but also with the internet it's not the be all and end all there is a there's a way to carve out a space for yourself. Yeah,
2: so I think that's really important as well. You, you hear so many times people talk about how well there's no new ideas, mm. you know, um, every, everything's been done already. There's no originality. I think that's rubbish. No, there I are agree. always new ideas. Take for example, um, you know, Molly Gunn, um, selfish mother, what she's doing on Instagram at the moment, creating a whole Insta once a week on Instagram. No one's done that before.
3: And it looks incredible. It looks great. It looks amazing. Like when she Literally, when she announced that idea, I was like, damn.
2: Me too. <laughs> I said it to her. I was like, I was like yeah. Molly, I love it, but I but hate I wish. you yeah. because I didn't come up with this idea.
3: It looks incredible and it's on point and the engagement's there. And, you know, we don't like to say, of course, that the things like Vogue will be around forever. But print is dying. Yeah. It's dying. We just closed the doors on look. Like I loved that magazine. That was like the bridge from being a teenager to an adult. Mm. Look was perfect for that. And it's like if you don't, I don't. I still don't get the people who are like, "Oh, not too sure about this social media stuff." Mm. You better get sure.
2: It's interesting because <laughs> I used to work on Look, and I worked on various magazines, and a lot of the people who work in that industry. Mm. were very reluctant to embrace social media and i think that some of that is feeling slightly threatened by Mm. this new you know medium that's coming along Mm. that and and quite rightly i mean look you know it's totally taken over hasn't It it
3: has but again there's space for everybody i think and i think regardless of followers it's a It's an even playing field, and I think if you're coming with original content, you're going to find your audience, Mm. which is a lot harder to do with print. You don't know where that stuff is going, or if it's even hitting home, because you can't get an immediate response. I buy a magazine every week. There's nowhere to write and say I don't really like this article.
2: Yeah, I mean you can. I mean back in you know back in the (laughs) nineties, you would write to your favourite magazine. You would write into Smash Hits or whatever. Yeah,
3: but yeah you but you don't get a
2: response back. This do is you? it.
3: This is it. So it no, social media is it's 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 what I do. And how, I love
2: it. How do you um cope with that always being available thing? So obviously the benefit of social media is that people can contact other people and get a response. Mm. As somebody who is being contacted a lot, mm. how do you balance just real life with Responding to people, replying to DMs, Mm. comments.
3: Do you know what? I don't... I haven't done the balance very well. I'm going to admit that. And just earlier this week, I put up a note on insta like i'm stepping back for a second because i'm really i really believe no again no matter the size of your platform you have to give back to your audience like i understand this is a two-way street yeah and i literally respond to every single dm and i feel horrid if i don't there's literally a few i can remember the past three weeks i haven't responded to and i'm like ah i feel really bad about that and i'm having to learn to be like okay it's not the end of the world if I can't get back to everyone. Mm. Like, there is no balance for me. It's all or nothing. And I'm really quite sensitive. And I'm like, oh, if I don't do that, I, I hope the person doesn't think I'm A, B or C. But it's like having to be firm with myself, especially with the two kids. Because mm. you'd be online all the time Yeah, if you did that. Yeah, And I'm like, I just don't have the capacity anymore.
2: I read a really interesting blog post. I'll send it to you. I'll put, I'll put it on the show notes as well by um, a lady called Mel Wiggins. And she was talking about how... Um, it is this balance because every time you create something and put it out there whether you're a blogger Mm. or even if you're just you know putting up a Facebook post that's being seen by a few hundred people Mm. um, you are inviting a response and that then sets off this catalyst where you then need to Mm. respond back to them so it's no longer you know a case of just putting something out in the world and walking away and getting on with your day you really do need to keep up this conversation And that can take a lot out of you. Yeah,
3: it does. And, you know, I used to, before I made it more of a business, I used to speak to other influencers who were like, yeah, I totally schedule my posts. And I never got that. Mm. I was like, no, I really like... Feeling organic and all this stuff. (laughs) And then it hit me. It's like, no, you better start scheduling so that when you put something out there that you know is going to need that time and attention, you've already allotted the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I'm going to have three hours today because I know this post is going to get quite heated and I'm going to have to moderate or respond or, and I'm going to do that. And I was like, okay, this is when it goes from just being something I do for fun to making it a brand and a business because you do have to control that space and although we're not role models um, these spaces are our brands Mm. and we have to be sure about what's going down in the comments and are are, are people representing us in the right way and it takes time and effort to do that yeah of course it does
2: um so as well as um instagram which feels must feel like it's the entirety (laughs) of your job um you blog and you've got um you're one of the co-founders of make motherhood diverse alongside nicola washington and sarah gregory Mm. so tell me about that and how that came about
3: that came about off the back of a terrible Mum's Net thread. Most of them are terrible, but. Um, <laughs> You're not a Mum's Net fan, Dandies? <laughs> no, do you know what? I'm not, not a fan because in, my, in the early days with Esme, I found Mum's Net really helpful. What I'm not a fan of is using negativity for clickbait. You know, I'm just not down with that. If it's a reason, and I'm also not saying that free speech is fine, but it's literally people in in these spaces just tearing other people to shreds. Yeah, That they don't know, for no good reason. Nothing's been done to them specifically. It's just a centre where people get together and and, and chat rubbish.
2: It's interesting, isn't it? I was, um, on the way up here, I was listening to... Um, a Scummy Mummies podcast with Justine Roberts who's mm. the founder of Mumsnet and I found it really interesting one thing she said made me kind of look at it in a different light which was interesting um, she basically said that she doesn't think Mum's Net is a particularly nasty place mm. she thinks that we live in a bit of a nasty world and that basically these conversations are happening everywhere, whether it's, I mean, I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing now, but whether it's like, you know, you sitting having a coffee with a friend Mm. and having, you know, a bit of a kind of gossipy conversation about somebody Mm. you know or a celebrity, I guess. Um, And her point was that, um, Mumsnet is anonymous, therefore it brings out people are being a bit more mm. honest about how they feel, rather than being polite. Yeah. In the real world, maybe you're a little bit more polite about your opinions. Mm. I just thought that was a really interesting take on yeah. on on the Mumsnet forums.
3: No, I I agree, and I totally see where she's coming from. I think the only problem is if there's not a limit to it, mm. it can be really damaging to, especially to the person being spoken about, because. uh, 80% of it is not constructive criticism. It just doesn't make any sense. And it's like it's just being horrible for being horrible's sake. But anyway. And when I looked at this thread, funnily enough, as negative as it was, all that jumped out to me is all the women who were, even though they were being spoken about negatively, they all looked the same. They all came from the same demographic. And I was like, I don't even care that these people are being torn to shreds. It just seems like that... That playing field isn't open to all. Not that I would want to be spoken about poorly, but why isn't the face of mothering or parenthood, especially online, wider than this? And I spoke to Nicola, I spoke to Sarah, we were speaking to a few other people, but it came down to us three and we were like, okay... Let's start something, and I just came up with the hashtag make motherhood diverse, and it stuck. And then we just had an outpouring of people's stories. And what's so funny is yes, parenting has always been seen as white and middle class, but there were a lot of white and middle class women stepping forward who had lost their husbands or had remortgaged their house for IVF, and it's like it goes so much deeper than just the image on the insta and yeah. what people think mothering looks like it's like even if this person looks like they're ticking all the boxes there's always a story underneath
2: yeah and and, and did, uh, am i right in thinking that it started with you that you wrote a blog post mm. um called where are all black mothers on instagram yeah um <laughs> and i'm sure the listener will already have a bit of an understanding as to why mm. black mothers aren't as visible but what's your take on it
3: uh my take. Okay, there's a couple of takes on it. the The first take is obviously if you're not being seeing yourself, you're not you're less likely to step forward. But also, it became a, it's the 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 discussion of race and tokenism. It's become quite a divisive conversation, and I feel like minorities sometimes feel like no, that's their space. This is our space. They do that, and we do this.
2: Is that because it's a safe space for them? Do you think
3: safe space and also how can I say this without getting in hot water, but I know what I mean. It's almost as if you feel like certain things are closed off to you. It's like, well, no, I can't do that because I don't look like those people or I don't come from that background. Mm. And even if I wanted to step into that space, I I just can't do that. And it's like trying to get through those tiny cracks. Um, And I feel like a lot of minority mothers are like, even if I wanted to go to that event, I feel like I can't because I can't afford those clothes or those aren't the usual people that I hang out with. And it's a lot of fear. And then on the other side, um, the the mums that are white and middle class, they've never closed their doors to me. But also they've admitted to me, it's like, well, I don't know how to seem more appealing or like oh come here without making that person a token it's really difficult well, I really wanted to
2: ask you about this there's something that I, I think about a lot mm. I wonder what your take is on whether it's um, a brand campaign mm. or a tv show or a radio show or anything any kind of media mainstream media mm. or social media Where you have somebody saying we need this to be more diverse we need to have a black mother involved yeah you know is that great because it is making motherhood more diverse Mm. making that more visible or is it actually a bit of an insult because you are the token black mum being wheeled in Mm. just to make it see more pc
3: yeah it's it's a double edged sword and it was it will always depend on where that brand or where that platform is coming from it's like And this is another problem which I only realised I had to check my own privilege about. Diversity isn't just race. No, of course not. You know, are we looking at parents who are disabled? What background do they come from? Same-sex families. I was like, whoa, there's so much to consider here. And I think, so these brands, it's like, okay, if you are just wheeling in any kind of token, you would know that and you need to check that. And you need to open up the space about diversity. Because you could have five white mums... And on the face of it, someone could be like, oh, that's the most undiverse picture. But when you start to tell their stories, you're like, hold on a second. There are women who are a completely different race from me who have grown up exactly how I have. Mm. And that in itself is diversity. But the tokenism issue, it really comes down to whether the brand or the person thinks they're being genuine or authentic. I think
2: It's tricky, isn't it? It's really hard.
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash Um, Yeah, and as you say, it's not just about getting more
2: visibility for Mm -hmm. black women, is it? It's about sex, sexuality, class, Mm -hmm. disability, making sure that everyone has a voice. That's what I really love. Looking at the website that you guys have made, you know, the stories that you've got from these women Mm -hmm. are, I mean, they're inspiring, but they're really eye-opening and it's, it's such a good reminder that this white, middle-class, able-bodied... You know, vision of motherhood that we're being fed right across the media isn't actually the reality
3: at all. And what's so funny is for the women that they are even showing. When you start to speak to those women, that's not even their reality. They're like, actually, I'm kind of piss poor, and we've had to remortgage. And you know, there there are so many layers to what's going on. And it's like, wow, you're part of the the story, and you're not. It's not even real to you. Mm. And also, it's like you know, when we we find out we're pregnant. we all shop for the same things. We all go to the same places. We all just want our babies to be safe and well-clothed and well-looked after. So it's like, don't shut out the millions of mothers who are going to pour tons into this parenting economy just because you're scared of widening the face of motherhood. Like, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. So who's doing it right? Who who
2: out there is showing motherhood for what it really is? Is, is, is anyone getting
3: it right? No one's getting it bang on, but I would say, weirdly, River Island, they have a kids line, and their advertising is just, like, it pulls at my heartstrings. They've got kids in wheelchairs of all different races, of all different sizes. I'm like, now that's perfect. And none of it feels... Odd forced. or like, oh yeah, you just picked one person. Yeah, I'm like that was bang on. Gap always do it well mm. and not force it. Just looks so natural. So, but in terms of like at mothering and parenting, there's no one that I'm like, you've got this. Yeah, they're trying, they're trying, and to be honest, this conversation's quite new especially in the parenting and mother mothering area it's a new conversation so i'm not expecting brands to be like oh next campaign we're going to get this yeah so
2: what spun. needs to happen
3: what you know people are listening what I, I would always say it starts from the top to the bottom it's so easy to just be like oh here's five influences we're going to pick a black one or a muslim one it really starts with who's in your boardrooms Who's being hired? Are there enough spaces for those that couldn't afford to go to uni and might need to come into your company on a grant or a special internship? Mm -hmm. That is where... I got into publishing by entering a competition. I didn't go to uni. Number one, I didn't want to go. Number two, paying that back, I was just like, ooh. And I don't even know if I'm going to pick a degree I want to stick with for the rest of my life. I saw a competition online, ended up getting a job with Penguin Random House, and walked into a space that I felt so, like every day I walked in, I was like, this is so not me. I feel so excluded. Everyone was lovely, but it just wasn't the setup because everyone in publishing has come from some kind of good stock or high money and it's like so the problem really does start at the top are we gonna make space and offer job opportunities to different kinds of people because then when it came down to an advertisement you wouldn't make a mistake because all those people were present in the boardroom
2: yeah that's such a good point um, and are you happy to name and shame is there anyone out there that you're just like consistently they're just getting it wrong and they're just showing a very narrow
3: white middle class version of motherhood no, no, and not even because I can think of one off the top. No, honestly. <laughs> I wish we You're reacting but, to my face. I'm just <laughs> oh, no, honestly, because who, who did come to mind? Bless them. I was gonna say Bowden, but they they're trying, so I can't even say. You know, everyone is trying, and I'm yeah. like, as long as I can see you trying. I'm not even going to be like, oh, you're the worst in the world. It's
2: interesting, isn't it? Because Bowden did that campaign recently um, mm. around mothers and they had um, an older mum and mm. they had Freddie Harrell. Exactly. Um, but it was still criticised. Mm. I saw quite a lot of criticism around it, mm. um, which, yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like sometimes brands do a little nod to making things diverse. Yeah. But they almost, like, don't go far enough.
3: Yeah, it's almost as if they're scared. Mm. And I, I don't, again, I don't understand it. Why would you be scared of representing people that do spend money?
2: They do. Well, it's like you say, it probably just depends on who's in the boardroom, who's making
3: the decisions. This is it this is what
2: their view on the world is Mm -hmm, mm
3: -hmm. and
2: what's important to them
3: and again like I said I would have said Bowdoin but I everyone loves Freddie and the fact that they're trying I can't hate you for trying and guess what like we were saying about you know when we put something up on social media it's now open conversation people at Bowdoin are reading those comments and they're sitting down and they're like right how do we get this right and that Therein is the beauty in social media. It's yeah. great for that., yeah. it's like you can get your feedback on the spot. It's a
2: two-way conversation. yeah, um, and one of the ones that made a few headlines recently was the uh, Hello magazine Star mm. Mum Awards, um, sponsored by <laughs> Next. And you were quite vocal about that. I seem to remember you I think you were the uh, you, you kicked off the conversation. Oh you were the one who noticed that their judging panel was made up of five white middle
3: class mm. mums. Um, and okay. Backstory. I did not want to speak about it. I didn't, I'd seen it. And I was like, "Oh, this is trash, but it's boring." We we have this conversation all the time. Literally, my DMs were going My notifications were coming in so quick, my phone wasn't making a sound. So
2: people were contacting you yeah. about it, flagging it to have you. Have you seen this? Have
3: you seen this? Have you seen this? You should talk about this. Have you seen this? Have you seen? That's really interesting though that people obviously see you as a mouthpiece. This is about diversity. <gasps> this is it. That's amazing. And there's a lot. It's amazing, but it's also a lot of pressure mm. because I had seen it, and I'll be honest, a major part of me didn't want to go there because I was like, I respect Anna. I respect mother pucker and so she kn- was on the panel wasn't yeah she? and i was like I, I know with any influencer there are trolls and i don't want a reason to bring trolls to anyone so i was prepared to see and not see but then the amount of people that were like yo you, you you're a co-founder or something could make motherhood diverse you literally can't not say wow this is bad so i put up the post named no names and my word the fire <laughs> That came off the back of that. A good fire, but a fire that I'm, I am I th- I think about Anna all the time in a way that I would never want to hurt someone in that manner and I would never want to put someone in a negative situation. It was just like wrong place, wrong time. And I felt like it's something I would have had to point out even if my friend was in it. Well, I would have phoned my friend, but it was just like, yeah. yeah we have to, and this is another thing, when you're in a place of influence, even though you're not a role model, we have to learn to take the temperature of the room. Yeah. That is our responsibility, because how do we try and make change if we're not going to be like, oh, who's on this shoot? How can I help widen this space? Well, that's
2: why I find the conversation so interesting to to follow, because it really made me look at myself and realise that I was part of the problem, because Mm. I thought, you know what, if I'd been asked to go on that that panel Mm. and I'd turned up to the photo shoot, I don't think it would even have occurred to me that it was five white women on the shoot and that's bad and that means that I am part of the problem
3: and guess what it's not even bad it's normal I don't wake up every day and think about what the life of a white woman's like because it's not my life it's not the first thing I think of but I think having highlighting that made everyone realize and it made everyone realize how easy it could be for us to be on the opposite end yeah. because since then I've spoken to people who have been like but you too now have to check that when you go to shoots you're not the token black person because that in itself is bad and people could have a lot to say about that so it's this constant like are we doing the right thing are we sending the-? it's a group effort it's exhausting
2: <laughs> but it's so worthwhile yeah
3: It is a group effort and it's like if we don't start with checking ourselves, none of the other major stuff, and I mean major stuff like inner city kids being killed and people dying in places that are burning because they're too poor to move somewhere else, if we don't start with this simple stuff we will never get to tackle the larger issues. Yeah,
2: that's something I feel really strongly about, actually, because you get quite often, you get people dismissing small things Mm. in life and saying, but we've got much bigger things to worry about. And I I genuinely wholeheartedly believe that unless you tackle the small stuff, the big stuff just doesn't get sorted. This is
3: it. And it could start with something of noticing, oh, you know, if I was on that panel, I wouldn't have looked around. But then that could become a bigger thing of having empathy for someone in Grenfell. Just because that's not our position or we might be in a better financial position or, you know, the the less empathetic could be like, well, why didn't they just live somewhere where they had better choices? It makes us check our privilege.
2: Absolutely. Um, Okay. so who should we be following on social media? Who are the mums out there? (laughs) Because I've seen you say that, you know, there are loads of amazing, diverse mums Mm. on social media. Mm. So who are they and who should we make sure we're following
3: uh, there's an American mum. Her name is Latonya Yvette. She is amazing. She's currently writing a book. She's just been through a breakup. She's raising these two mixed race kids, and it's just also New York, but so honest. And she's black, and it's it's just. Yeah, it's the New York that I've always visited and seen and I just admire how honest she is. Is it a bit
2: different to Milton Keynes? Oh, God.
3: <laughs> oh, guys. Uh? No, I, I've only moved here for the kids. Listen, London would <laughs> have me back in the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You love it. <laughs> do you, no, do you know? green space and the fresh air it's lovely who else do i follow there's yavadni she's got mums that slay yeah love that because she does diversity in a very quiet way Mm. it's just mums showing their day-to-day style no matter their size or their shape yeah love her channel love a bit of style me sunday obviously and then there's the not so obvious ones there's a, a girl i've recently started following love from Danica I'm saying her name wrong I'm sure but she's all about body positivity mm. and the thing she speaks about like literally I don't know if I can even say this on this podcast but she recently spoke about contracting genital herpes from a boyfriend mm. and like the conversation that's just I was even blown away by that and I'm really outspoken but the level of maturity and bravery to publicly be like a cheating partner gave this to me yeah. and I don't like the way society makes me feel so bad about myself. Now those when I see those kind of issues discussed on social media, I'm like, right, I'm gonna stick around for what you're doing.
2: That's the amazing thing though, isn't it, about you know social media that you know back in the day you would have to pick up a women's magazine mm. to read like one person's story. Yeah. And now actually you've got this very honest, raw account of someone's experience. Yeah. And then they're inviting you to share your stories yeah. and it becomes this two-week conversation
3: it's amazing it blows me away and again that level of bravery and the, the kind of friendships you can see that are made amazing so yeah
2: it's amazing cool <laughs> thank you and all right candy some quick fire questions to finish Ooh. off um if you were to write a memoir what would you call it <laughs>
3: <laughs> i feel like this is a trick question it would be called the essays of a brown girl in the ring oh i love it so maybe i've thought of that <laughs> It might be in the pipeline. I love it. Maybe, maybe you got some hot news off the Exclusive. press there. That's an amazing title. Mm. There was a, it's actually based on like a 1970s song. And I remember it being sung as a nursery rhyme at school. There's a brown girl in the ring. Tra la 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 And I've, yeah, it's, it's in discussion. I love it. No one's still that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're copyrighting yeah, yeah. it right now um, okay are you a morning person? defo uh, before the kids, I used to get up about when I had Esme. I used to get up at four to get to the gym for four thirty.
2: You did not. Yeah,
3: I was obsessed back then because then um, Papa B, my husband, would have to go to work at six. So I'm I'm an early riser. That's insane. I, it was it was stupidly insane. Wow. All I've done this time round is eat and not work out. And whilst I'm like not in love with my body, I'm also not super stressed and exhausted. That's
2: so, good. Yeah. That's really good. It's all about balance, isn't yeah. it? Um. And who's your ultimate favorite person? on Instagram stories
3: my oh, oh my gosh that's so difficult okay there's two maybe it's because I know her personally there's a friend I have called Kelechi she's amazing no okay there's three there's Kelechi there's uh Kemi Kids with Ron Telford mm-hmm. so funny and Susie Ferrell oh, I yeah. mean come on yeah 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 <laughs> oh my god Susie like no <laughs> yeah She's comedy. I love it. Excellent.
2: Um, final question What's been your most embarrassing parenting moment? My
3: most embarrassing parenting moment. Gosh. Are you not very easily embarrassed? No. I wasn't, it wasn't embarrassing, I was just really scared, I was once going up with Esme on the escalator, and she wasn't strapped into the car seat, and I'm there looking around at people, and my child is falling forward, and everyone behind me is like, your baby is falling <laughs> no and so now I'm just petrified of escalators yeah yeah literally I have to plan the route to see where I can get off where there's a lift yes if not I don't take the kids what a surprise
2: <laughs> oh my goodness um, on that child uh, tra- safety call <laughs> the social services note Candice thank you so much for being my guest oh thank you for it having me it's been wonderful to chat to you you too thank, thank you, you. Isn't brilliant? Big thank you again to Candice and thank you to you for tuning in. Please head over to iTunes where you can rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends to listen and I'll catch up with you next time.
1: Planning for your next trip?